Welcome back to another phenomenal edition of My Thai Happy Hour, the only pop culture podcast for weirdos. We are so excited to be in your earballs once again. It's been a long, long week. It was, it's was. it been a beautiful week on the East Coast. There's at least that, right, Hambone? I feel very good about the weather and the atmosphere going on on the East Coast. Yeah, I mean, weather, weather, good weather helps. It really does. I mean, it makes you, cheers you up. You can go outside. Yeah, and to all you jerk-offs not wearing a mask, not cool, bro. Not cool. Uh, that is always a frustrating thing. Luckily, I think everyone around me is pretty much masked out up when they go when they go out and there's a chance that they can't social distance it is what it is i am uh i don't know the world is the world is hey i mean it's tough hambone the fact is the laws now are you know there are states that are saying you don't need to wear a mask like arizona aka places i will never ever go <laughs> but i mean that that is a, a situation so i know some of our listeners out there might be in areas where you don't need to wear a mask more power to you. Just remember to stay safe. Look, if you're in a super rural area and your neighbors are like miles away, or you're like Greece. Greece did not wear masks because they literally locked down every island. So they social distanced by saying you can't leave the island. So if your island had no COVID, your island wasn't getting COVID. You didn't need to wear a mask. But that's Greece. We don't have islands. So, oh, except for Long Island. Does that count? Hawaii. I mean, I don't wow, know. Hawaii is Hawaii is a <laughs> Hawaii is a different beast. Thanks, Hambone, you asshole. Uh, I, I, so, speaking of Long Island, Nassau Coliseum. Did you hear? Breaking news right before we went on air. Don was posting something about it. I wasn't sure what it was. Shutting down indefinitely. They, it looks like that huge, um, you know, all the money they put into rebuilding it, uh, they now can't pay it off. So, no concerts, no money. Nassau Coliseum is the first major arena to shut down and permanently pretty much from what it sounds like you know what unfortunately it's probably not going to be the last to shut down in our current climate so everyone hold on to your butts so we are now talking through a lot of music and i would like to uh find out what we're going to have on this show today hambone so let us all know so george watched a movie called z from 2019 about a boy whose eight-year-old imaginary friend was terrorizing a family or something like that. So he's going to tell us all hey, about hey, that. Hey, 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 don't rub me wrong in 2019. We count our horror years from October 31st to October 31st. And due to the fact there is barely any horror movies coming out, we have to reach into the 2019 a little bit. You know what? I'm going to give it to you. So a new movie called Z about a family that finds themselves terrorized by their eight-year-old son's imaginary friend. And George has some thoughts on that. PS5 finally got fully announced. The full Monty seeing all the videos about the cool games that are coming out and the features of the PS5. And we've definitely got some thoughts on that. Hank Von Hell is back from his sabbatical as a Norwegian folk singer. And he's got a brand new album called Hank Von Hell is Dead that we gave a listen to. And finally, another casualty of the movie theaters being closed. Artemis Fowl pulled from theaters, put on Disney Plus, and I watched it so you didn't have to. Hey, I'm glad you're supporting the Disney Plus. It's all good there. Uh, I am Hell yeah. I'm excited for this whole show this week. I am struggling with the horror movies because it's just, I, I want to watch, like, it's starting to catch up. And I know with TV, it's going to be towards the end of the year where, like, there is just, nothing's being shot. Nothing's being made. And there's going to be no TV. Like, guys, get ready. There's going to be no TV in the, final, in the like last quarter, especially if we, things don't start getting better soon. So, hey, uh, it's going to be rough for us entertainment hounds. We're going to have to start reviewing. 
We're just going to be doing punk rock cannons. We're just going to be re- reviewing each other. Yeah, it's going to be us reviewing old episodes of My Tai Happy Hour because that's really all that's going to be coming out because My Tai Happy Hour still comes to you every week, even during a pandemic. Uh, and really quickly want to give a thanks to our fan uh, Greg out there. He wrote to me today and said how much it means for him to have this show during the pandemic. This is a Greg that you do not know, but you follow on Twitter, not Greg Gethard. I do follow Greg on Twitter. Hey, Greg. Thanks, yeah. man. And uh, he is, uh, he just wrote me a thing today. I, I think something was up with either his feed or one of the, po- what I did notice guys is if you're not listening to podcasts every week right now, like if you're not, because you're not traveling or commuting and you fire up your app, it might not, it might've stopped downloading stuff. If your app was shut off, it might not download the back episodes. So that's where if you might think episodes are missing, but we haven't missed an episode. It's just hasn't downloaded because you haven't fired up that app in a while. But yeah, we've we've missed more episodes when we could actually go places on vacation. But now, not and again anymore. We're gonna be making them every week. I really, really want to go on vacation, Hambone. You have no idea how bad I want to go on vacation. But what I need right now is a cocktail. Can you cocktail us? Hell's yeah, I can cocktail you. This came from one of George's many cocktail books from a place called Smuggler's Cove, and the drink that we're making is the Naked Ape. Now it was created in honor of San Francisco Exotica band Ape. Uh, for one of the Smuggler Cove's very rare concerts that they did there. So this was created by Martin Kate. And the glassware, they're going to recommend an ape, uh, fezware, and monkey mug. So if you don't have an ape, fezware, and monkey mug, which you should, because if you're a tiki fan, that sounds like the exact kind of tiki glass you should have in your collection. You know any other kind of tiki mug or glassware will do. Or a double old-fashioned glass. So this is going to be a half ounce of freshly squeezed lemon juice, a half ounce of cinnamon syrup. Now, in the book, it tells you how to make it on page 327. Your page 327 is going to be G-O-O-G-L-E.com. Uh, half an ounce of Gifford Banana du Brazil, banana liqueur. A half ounce with another ounce on top. That's one and a half ounces of black blended rum. A half ounce of pot still lightly aged rum, which is going to be overproof. Or should it ever make it out to our region, Lemonheart 151. There you go. Put you on blast again, even during the pandemic. One dash of Agnostora bitters. You're going to add all the ingredients to a drink mixer tin. Fill it with 12 ounces of crushed ice and four to six agitator cubes. You're going to flash blend an open pour with a gated finish onto a tiki mug or a double old-fashioned glass. The Naked Ape from Smuggler's Cove. So two things. First of all, Ape is a band featuring uh, Crazy Al on lead vocals. Crazy Al is one of my favorite tiki carvers slash uh, tiki mug makers. I actually have the large tiki that's tattooed to the back of my left arm with the skulls, with the three skulls down that middle, is actually a Crazy Al tiki mug so that is a crazy factoid right there Uh, i actually showed it to him last time i went to los angeles he was super psyched and uh the smuggler's cove is not only one of the most prominent tiki bars in the world it is in san francisco it is shaped like a three-story pirate ship it's actually got three levels that takes you from the mast all the way down to the bottom of the ship it is crazy i can't even explain it i love it but it's also one of the preeminent 
rum bars in the world. So they have the largest collection of rums and rum-based cocktails you could ever imagine. If you get a chance to go to San Francisco, check them out. They are incredible. They have an amazing book that has both the history of cocktails and thousands upon thousands of cocktails. But I did pick this one because Crazy Al is in the band Ape and it's in tribute to Ape. Ape is a great exotic band. Definitely check them out on Spotify or wherever you hear great exotica music. Very cool. So we b- about the same time, I think right after this episode launched last week, the PS5 was finally revealed. Sony had to, um, as many, many big announcements, and I know this because I'm in that world right now, things are being bumped left and right because of the world we're in, be it COVID or the protests or, you know, just there's a lot going on and you need to be a little sensitive to what you launch on what day. Sony was supposed to announce the PS5 a couple weeks ago, push it uh, because of what's happening, and they they finally did get a chance to announce it. It was a very weird event. I can't say it was a good event. Like, I started watching it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and just read articles about this because it was largely just uh, trailers for video games, very long trailers for video games, maybe by, with an intro from the creators, but it was not, I, I, I'm old. I realize I'm old. I don't enjoy watching people play video games on TV. I don't mind watching my friends play video games, especially if it's an engaging story and they're a good player, but just watching Twitch to watch people play games. I'm not, I, I, it's, I have nothing against people who do that. Me personally, not the biggest fan of it. So I I really was a little bit like, okay, this is a weird, weird reveal. But uh, the news that did come out is incredible. The PS5 has a look, and it is, I call it the Eye of Sauron. It also has been referred to as like a router with two pieces of paper. I think it's a great-looking machine because it's not just another box you put under your TV. What are your thoughts on the look of it? Oh, I think it's ugly as sin. I think it looks like something Tesla would make, and I don't like it. See, I like Tesla, so I can't I can't argue that. Um, I do believe in great design, and I do believe in breaking the mold a little bit here. And you've got to admit a little bit that if it just looked like another black box, it would be another black box that you would hide under your console. And look, you're going to do that anyway. Like, more than likely, you're going to hide this behind a cabinet. So... You know, if you're not going to, at least you can put it out there and it looks kind of nice. I mean, I don't know. I guess to each their own. It definitely is. It looks more like a skyscraper you'd find in Dubai. Would you give it that? Oh, it's 100%. Like, I've seen a car jump from one of them to the next one in, like, a Fast and the Furious movie uh, <laughs> when they did go to Dubai, that one movie. I think it was, like, Hobbs and Shaw. I don't know. There's been so many of them at this point. It definitely does look like a Dubai skyscraper, though. So the biggest thing of note, they didn't release a price. There's speculation on the price, but they did release something I think we do need to talk about, and that is that there is going to be a physical drive version of this and a digital-only drive. For, for those that don't quite get what that means, that means there is going to be a Blu-ray, an Ultra HD 4K Blu-ray version, and there will be a version that's just a hard drive. Now, I, I just said I'm the old guy here. I do come from an era where physical media is a big thing. But I also was the first to jump on MP3s and ripped all my CDs at like high def quality and threw them away and those jewel cases away. I do understand digital. As I'm getting older, I'm finding myself trading in games way less and less and letting my friends borrow them a lot less because, you know, we're just doing different things or have different systems. So the actual physical media, I'm actually enjoying more just to be able to download the game on launch date, not waiting. Oh, I'm waiting till Friday, Hambone, to get Last of Us from Amazon. We're not even going to talk about that. Oh, no. But I'm waiting that long. And then 
I can just delete the the game off the hard drive, but I still have all my saved games and whatnot. I'm actually starting to like that more, but because I have a fancy new TV, I think I do want the 4K Ultra HD version to watch some like, you know, Steelbook, Blu-ray discs. Ah, uh, go ahead. You know, I agree with you and I also disagree. Like, I appreciate the fact that they are making a physical media one because this is supposed to be backwards compatible, yes? Yes, but I don't know if that means pop the disc in or if that means it can tell that you have that game in your library and it will allow you to download it. That's something that it could go either way. Well, I see it one or two ways. Actually, I see it both ways. Disc facing, if it's backward compatible, I think it works because that's something that is like a commitment to the fans of the PlayStation as a whole who probably have not sold a lot of their older games back to GameStop because they're essentially not worth the disc that they're printed on. That being said, I also am a person who leans more towards the future of gaming, which is get rid of these discs like we don't need them. Uh, I myself would go for the version where I would just be able to get everything digitally because I'm not going to buy DVDs. I'm not going to buy Blu-rays. Like I actually sold my entire CD DVD collection, God, almost like 10, 12 years ago now to go fund a weekend bender in Vegas. So I don't even have any physical media to need a disk drive for at this point. So I appreciate that. And I also want to point out that I may not like the design of the Dubai Tower that is the PlayStation 5. However, the new controllers look gorgeous. Yeah, I think they're very similar to the Stadia controllers, which are kind of like the Xbox controllers. They look more comfortable. We'll see how that is. I am, um, look, I'm excited for this. I, so I'm one of those people that tr traditionally do not buy game consoles at launch because I wait for them to drop in price. However, last time they got me, Fallout 4 came out before there was a price drop. And guess what? I played the hell out of that system. I still play the hell out of that system. So if I have the money, I will probably invest in the system at launch or around launch, especially if they have the games they're talking about having at launch, which I think we need to talk about. And the first one that really, you know, struck me and I'm excited about is, you know, they're doing the Miles Spider-Man. Yeah, I'm excited about that too. I mean, I would be remiss not to say that there are, for those listening at home, over 25 titles available at launch for this console. Now, for those who might not have kept up with how consoles normally get released and, you know, E3s of the past and all that fun stuff, there's never that many games. Maybe there's like five, mm -hmm. if that when a console launches and you got to wait till after Christmas for them to have more games coming out for them to be dropping over 25 titles at launch is a huge, huge unprecedented deal, especially a title like resident evil eight, which I don't know if you've seen the trailer for that. Holy crap. Yep. I mean, again, I'm excited for Spider-Man miles Morales right off the gate. I'm excited for that game. I, uh, I, they did a lot to push Ratchet and Clank, and that was actually kind of cool looking. And uh, Hitman 3, if I want to play a shooter game, there's enough to keep me excited if I buy at launch. And the thing is, I feel like they are going to continue to... People are writing for this system now. I mean, that was the whole thing with the Xbox. Was the X last Xbox was so different? It was very hard for people to create games for it. Whereas the PS4 to the PS the PS3 to the PS4 was a lot easier. So we got stuff a lot quicker, which is why I think like Fallout 4 came out so much sooner than I thought it would. Um, I I can say I was a little disappointed in Rockstar. 
I'm like, I know you guys love the Grand Theft Auto franchise. I know it's online only, so it doesn't matter what system you play it for. But come on, if you're going to roll into the court and your only move is a rehash of a, a Grand Theft Auto game that came out for like the last two or three systems... You could have, like, I don't know, brought back, maybe done a Bully 2 or, I don't know, Manhunt 3. I don't know, something. Yeah, it's a little too over the plate. Even even Red Dead Redemption 2 would have made sense. Then Grand Theft Auto, which is now, I don't know, what, five, six years old? I don't remember. I, I know I bought it for both the PS3 and the PS4 because the PS4 had a lot smaller of a shelf life than the PS3 did. Um I, look, I'm a Sony fan. I got to be very clear. I do appreciate what Xbox is doing right now. Hambone, if you don't know, if you have an Xbox subscription, it's not like the PS5, PS Plus subscription. The Xbox One, if you have it, you can play your Xbox games wherever you are on whatever you're on. So you can play on your mobile phone if it's spec'd right, on your computer, on your anywhere. It's not just playing it there. Or the PS3, you can PS4, you can play it on your your PlayStation, and you could play it on your computer if they're on the same local network. Uh, Xbox, it's everywhere. And I think that is, that's a cool selling point. But at the end of the day, I'm still butthurt over the Red Ring of Doom. And look, uh, I'm just not, none of the games, like I want A Last of Us. I want I want Uncharted. I Those, those top tier PS3, PS4, PS5 titles are what I long for. And that's where I'm going to go. You know, man, I 100% agree with you on that, and I think that's amazing what they're actually doing right now with Xbox. And that said, I will never, ever buy another Xbox product again as long as I'm living and breathing because I've been burned so many times by that goddamn red ring of death. I'm not ever letting it go. I don't care if they it would never happen again on any of the new systems. They fucked me, and I'm never going to let them fuck me again. No, I, I agree with you. Also, uh, I just want to say something really quickly about the, the Switch we reviewed Animal Crossing a while ago. That was a game where it was right when COVID started happening. I did not feel comfortable going to a store, even though I think Best Buy was still open. And I that was a game I bought 100% digitally. I paid full price because it just launched, and I have nothing. I feel, don't feel weird about it at all. It also allows me to keep another game in this game slot, so if I wanted to switch to Zelda or something, I can do that pretty easily. So that's a good reason to be able to use both. Uh, what I can tell you, though, that I don't think we've talked about is Switches are sold out everywhere. Like, if you want to, there are people right now who are learning how to rebuild the Joy Cons, the little flappy controllers, because you can't buy those either. Like, there is, you could get a Switch Lite in some ugly color, but that's the one that doesn't connect to your TV. So, there is no Switch like that. Nintendo has like struck gold. Like, gold big time. This is like the system they've always wanted to make. Like, the, the promise of it was there for so many years, and now they finally succeeded in it. And like, how do you go back? I, I don't know, but look, Nintendo Nintendo does a very good job doing what they do best and not trying to be something else. Like PS5 and Xbox, there are fanboys fighting over the specs and bitching about how like, the Xbox is more overpowered. You know what? Xbox will never use all that mem- all the, the stuff in it does nothing to make it last more than the five years it's going to last. Same with the PS5. They're, they're built for what they're built for. The Nintendo is literally an outdated like system if you're talking about specs but at the end of the day you're right now able to play 
like Bioshock and and um, the other shooter game that I'm blanking out right now that's not Fallout, as well as uh, a ton of other top Skyrim. Like you can play games; they're not the best looking games in the world, but they get you over the plate, especially if you're playing portable. Like I don't need 4K graphics when I'm using a Switch. So there's a still place and it makes you Nintendo's made it, you know, made a strong point for having like most people don't have multiple systems anymore because they're not a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars each. It's not like a GameCube where it was like $199 and a PS2 was $199. You could buy all the systems over time. Now it's like you get one and you stick with that unless you're really rich or you're really weird. But Switch has made a good argument for I can buy a PlayStation or an Xbox and a Switch if I want to play that type of game. Absolutely. You know, so that's kind of where, where I'm at. I am really excited for this. I, I think they knocked it out of the park. I'm curious what the price is going to be. My gut is going to be in the $499 to $599 range. I don't remember what the PS4 cost, but uh, look, it's it's going to be expensive, but these gaming systems do last you years. I don't know. Hopefully Santa will be able to get you When I do, I am a little concerned that it's going to be very hard to get them at launch because while there are plenty of, like, it's possible they can make the systems, it's the components. Like, those, like, you could be, like, one little processor or one chipset that, like, is made someplace that's, like, in lockdown. And that could really short the amount of units that are actually available at launch. So I am curious to see what's going on there. Definitely. And, you know, hopefully everyone gets a PlayStation 5 in the stocking this Christmas or, I guess, under the tree because be, you didn't need a really big stocking. Yeah, yeah. So I guess let's talk about horror movies because I have been on the hunt. I've been craving good horror. And we've been spoiled. Last couple of years, amazing years for horror movies. I am now scraping basically like any list I could find that's like the best horror movies. That isn't just a list of every horror movie this year because there aren't many. I'll, I'll consider, including some that came out in 2019, even though a lot of them kind of didn't go wide until this year or weren't like released on media where you could on demand get it easily until this year. Uh, but this week I saw a movie called Z. And as Hambone explained, Z is about a little boy who has an imaginary friend. I think he's about eight to 10 years old. He has an imaginary friend named Z. I'm usually not a big fan of horror movies with little kids, especially when the kid is either creepy or the kid murders people. I don't know. Not talking about child's play. I'm just talking about like kids creep the hell out of me. You will not know this until you are, you know, adult and have a child and your child wakes up in the middle of the night and just stands <laughs> over you. Doesn't say mommy or daddy. They just stand there watching you and you feel the feeling of being watched. And you open your eyes and they're just standing there looking at you. That is terrifying. That's not even a horror movie. That's just the way life is with a toddler. But this is uh, this is a movie where I was like, I'm going to give it a chance, and it is a horror movie where there's a couple, they're kind of middle-aged couples, like me and my wife, they have uh, like an 8 to 10-year-old kid named Kevin, and Kevin has an imaginary friend named Z. Now, this movie does do what, I, it feels like it wants to be a smarter movie than what it is, and for the most part, it tries to get there. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much. It's going to be a tough one because there is like a final act that's kind of a little bit weird. And I, even like comparing it to other movies, I don't, it might give it away. But this is more than just a little kid with an evil imaginary friend. This is an evil imaginary friend who might actually run in the family. And it's possible that one of the parents forgot that this was also their imaginary friend. And this imaginary friend might just have come to the son because 
he's trying to get at that family member. And there is a scene in this movie where it turns out that the teacher and the dad are kind of covering up from the mom that the child's got issues. He swears a lot in school. He's bad. He gets a lot of red cards. I guess it's kind of like getting like a note in the bag to the parents saying the kid's bad. Well, he's known now as the right. bad kid. I don't know whether it's the friend that's doing these things or not. They never really say it. But there is one scene, Hambone, where there's finally one mother who allows the mom and kid to come over to play with their kid. They're, the mom's really upset. The kid doesn't have any friends anymore because they're all afraid of him for reasons. I don't know because they don't really do a good job explaining why the kid's bad. But she invites them over. They're having coffee. And the two kids go upstairs and play. And there's a house that's like multi-story. And there's kind of like a staircase like where you can like look down. There's like – you know what I mean? Like when you're in like an apartment building, you're looking down through the gap of a staircase. And the moms are just talking. And all of a sudden, one of the child just falls in the distance right down through the gap. Like, yes. That as a parent is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. Like, it's just like, it's not like there's no setup. There's no setup. It's not a shock scare. It is literally a child dropping from a higher floor down through the floor to a floor below and you hear a crunch. Like, and it's assumed that the other oh child, God, no. the bad no, no, child, no, no, no. or the child's imaginary friend threw the kid down the staircase. That is so terrifying. Um, in the end, it does turn out to be a much deeper story about the mother, you know, the the mother being uh, just slowly unwrapping this story, and it's more about life. I feel like there is a little more to this than a demon. You're left wondering if there is a demonic imaginary friend, or if it is somehow in their imagination, but can't really be because someone threw that kid down the stairs, and I don't think an eight-year-old could hoist another child over their head and drop them down a flight of stairs or multiple flights. It is. Um, I find the acting in it was just okay, so that's why I thought it was a little cheesy at the beginning. But as I kind of got weaved into the story, I got more into it. I feel like the final third, you know how I'm a big fan on, anybody who's like, oh, the movie was great, but they kind of blew it on the dismount. No, I don't buy that. I believe if you blow it on the dismount, you blew the movie. In this case, they don't blow it, but it gets a little convoluted, and it'll work a little harder towards the end. I kind of liked when it was more of a... Who is, who done it? Who is it? What is this creature? Then it becomes more of a psychological thriller at the end. Um, regardless, this is a very good smart horror movie. Uh, it's not a feel bad horror movie, Hambone. I would I would recommend it to you as long as you know what you're getting into. Uh, it is a very there's no there are no children killed in this movie, so don't worry about that. Though that is one terrifying okay. scene. All right, I'll watch it. But uh, at the end, I think the best thing I can compare it to is I felt like this movie was very much like the Baba Duke, except there definitely is some sort of creature. Like the Baba Duke was full on the creature was postpartum depression. In this case, right. there is something. Uh, and whether, you know, how real it is or what it is or how physical it is is kind of left up to you. So I always, the way I judge movies now, horror movies, is like, is this a horror movie or is this movie an artsy-fartsy horror movie? Or is this a little bit like, or is it a feel-bad horror movie? Those are my three things, stances. I feel like today in this era of smart horror movies, that's where we land. You have movies like The Lodge, which I saw the week before. Did, I, did we review The Lodge? Did I review The Lodge? I don't remember. I don't remember it's anymore fine. either. I can't remember. 
I've heard it was nothing but a bummer. So, no, but it is. It's a very good, well done, well shot, well acted movie. But at the end of the day, the movie just lets you leaves you feeling hopeless. Typically, I kind of like those type of movies. Platform goes that route. I really enjoyed Platform. It was a lot less involving kids, so that's a feel bad. I I wouldn't not recommend it to you because at the end of the day, it's like criminals that are in this. I don't care as much. But those are movies that right. are hopeless at the end. And I feel like in this time of like everything going south, even I'm not the biggest fan of hopeless movies. Then there are movies that are like um, Hereditary. Which I feel is is both that's a full on horror movie that's both like artsy and fartsy and incredible and left me thinking. I feel that is a different type of horror movie than say one that is just like oh yeah you just lose at the end and you're miserable. I don't know. I like I do like a Hereditary. I do like a uh, Conjuring. I do like movies that make me really wonder. And then there's also the comedy horror movies, stuff that, well, not comedy, but are more lighthearted. Uh, I can get behind those. We saw like that. Those. We saw that recently with the, um, the, the British humor one with the, with the girl who could see dead people and was trying to help that oh, guy. Uh, extraordinary. Extraordinary. Perfect example Cosmic of that. Woman, la, la, la. At the end of the day, Cosmic if I think, woman, if I, la, la, la. at the end of the day, I'm sorry, I know sold you there because I didn't realize what you were doing until I kept talking. <laughs> Keep talking. It's fine. I feel like I would <laughs> only recommend a movie to you if I felt like you wouldn't be left crying in a ball at the end of the night. And you know what? I appreciate that about you. One quick note on horror I want to make for our listeners out there. So as you were talking, I pulled up the Wikipedia on 2020 horror films, right? So there were 32 horror films coming out this year, three of which have already been released, Fantasy Island, The Invisible Man, and The Hunt. And The Hunt's not a horror movie. It's because... Come on, you saw it too. I did see it, and that's what I'm getting at. Some of these movies that they are considering horror in a lot of ways, I feel like the horror genre as a whole, it kind of gets loosely thrown around where a movie like The Hunt ends up on a horror film chart. Either way, what I'm getting at here is some of the other films on the list are things like New Mutants, which we know are never going to make it to theaters. So of the list of these movies that have things in here that are supposed to get to theaters, Candyman, which is the reboot, uh, the Jordan Beale 2020 reboot of Candyman, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, and Halloween Kills, as well as a remake of The Grudge. So of those movies, I'm curious to see which ones are actually going to, if they do open movie theaters again, which ones make the cut, and which ones we're going to be seeing on VOD very soon, or pushed to 2021, or in the case of New Mutants, is never coming out in theaters. So The Grudge is very easy to find, which leads me to believe it is somewhere, I think it's been released on demand already. Because it is very, oh, very cool. easy to find The Grudge. So uh, I have not seen it, but I do believe that has come out in some shape or form. There was also Hansel and Gretel. There is also Bliss. Again, some leak over from last year, like the movie, which oh, I should have reviewed for this week too. I completely, I, I got to make a laundry list, but the the one of the guy in the house with his wanting his girlfriend to come back. Um, but there is, uh, there is a significant lack of horror movies. Significant lack of movies. I'm kind of struck by how little there is, and I am very curious to see. We've talked about it. We're not going to talk about it anymore, at least not unless something changes. To any of our listeners out there, if you are thinking about going to the movies or you do go to the movies once it opens up in your area, please let us know what the experience was like. We might even have you on air if we can figure out this whole phone thing again. 
to those of you who are, you know, not sure whether you're going to what you're going to do. Let us know what your thoughts are. Are you willing to go to the movies? When do you think you'll be willing to go to the movies? We are very curious. We are very interested. Again, we're not going to go into detail on that. So we talked about that a lot last week, but just definitely want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, definitely. So music. Uh, there has not been a ton of music dropping lately. We heard that great X album recently, but other than that, I've oh, been kind so of just I've been u- listening to a lot of Faction on Sirius XM. I've been trying to find new albums to listen to, but you know, it's kind of like background music. I've been listening to a lot of Hawaiian music. However, this week, I think it was what it was Monday. Uh, Hank Von Hell, former lead singer of the Great Turbo Negro, one of my favorite bands, I am their president of the New Jersey chapter of their fan club, dropped a new album out of nowhere. Literally, I think he kept like saying, hey, I'm going to drop something really quickly. It's coming. It's coming. And then he dropped the album Dead. This is the second album by Hank Von Hell since he returned to his roots, to his Turbo Negro style roots, not back to Turbo Negro, to like that type of like supercharged rock and roll and he's released dead and this is uh i think a tremendous album what are your thoughts ambon you know it was kind of jarring to me because i know what hang von hell has become over the last several years and so like this return to form him forming his own band which is essentially turbo negro without being turbo negro it's kind of like there's two versions of rat and two versions of la guns out there <laughs> I was I was really impressed with it. I mean, it's it's interesting because the video that I watched for it, like watching Hank Von Hell now, after watching a show like Tim and Eric, Hank Von Hell seems like a living, breathing Tim and Eric sketch come to life, versus like kind of when he where he was and who he was when he was fronting Turbo Negro back in the day. All right, you know for what those I mean? for those of us that don't know what Tim and Eric is, can you please enlighten us? Oh, uh, Tim and Eric is like dumb. It's like this weird, like dumb comedy that I don't understand because I don't think I smoke enough weed to understand it. But some people like it. I did enjoy their latest outing, Beef House, which was out recently on Adult Swim. But it's kind of like really, you know, goofy. I guess it's it's super highbrow humor while being lowbrow humor at the same time. I don't know. It doesn't make really sense to me, but that's kind of what I'm seeing Hank Von Hell at at this point. So those of you who want a little bit of a history lesson. Turbo Negro, one of my favorite bands next to Bad Religion, came out in the, I think, the late 80s, early 90s. They became really popular around the early 90s. Um, And they are a band of pretty much, they've got a gay sailor shtick, and they do not hide anything about it. They, you know, songs like Denim Demon, Sailor Man, I've Got Erection, they are very much what you think they are. Love Turbo Negro, great rock and roll band. And we'll check them out anytime they come around. Well, their lead singer in the probably the mid-90s got a bad habit for certain kinds of drugs and was not they just can't they just couldn't do it anymore. So they decided rather than lose their lead singer, they would break up and they went their own ways. Uh, a few years later, they they reunited, they had an epitaph re-release some of their early great albums, and they came back in full force with Queens of the Stone Age and a lot of bands that were inspired. There were those bands like the Refused, there were a lot of bands that were inspired by them, but they had vanished from the face of the earth. Well, they were now back. They released some more great albums. Uh, Hank Von Hell obviously cleaned himself up. 
got you know creative again. They they explored new areas of like straight up rock and roll. Remind me a lot of the Donnas when their Donnas were doing more of a Kiss ACDC thing. They fit that totally pure agree. high octane rock and roll to its to a T. Um, amazing album uh, albums like Party Animal and uh, Scandinavian Leather and and Retox. They just were firing all c- cylinders, and then all of a sudden one day. Anonymous, like the anonymous, drop a video basically outing Hank Von Hell as this horrible. Uh, he's part of that sect of Scientology that's like super Jesus too. I know that's weird because Scientology and Jesus don't exactly mix, but they, I think yeah, they're it's like to, water. It's it's kind of a weird weird thing of it well anyway he was outed for doing a lot and saying a lot of horrible things doing a lot of horrible things it was hard for a band that's made up of a mix of like gay and you know sailor boy type people to put up with someone who is now becoming ultra right-wing conservative you know it's just a weird weird thing i mean their whole stick was like denim and leather and sailor hats like it just wasn't it just didn't make much sense so they had to let him go they continued they got another lead singer they got like their i think it was their their president of their fan club of their brit england their uk fan club and he's like oh, i could do it and he ended up becoming their lead singer released some great albums and they've continued doing what they're doing uh hank went on to be a a, a main, main uh, judge on the Norwegian American Idol, which from what I hear is second only to the American American Idol as like one of the top, like, you know, performance um, contest shows. So he's on there completely straight laced. Like he starts doing some very like operatic and like folksy music. He takes on his real name, which is Eric something. And he becomes this famous Norwegian folk singer. And he does this for like 10 years. And uh, I, you know, more power to him. I don't judge. It's kind of weird to like hate on Scientology with what's going on in the world right now. So I don't even care anymore, but you know, anonymous had a boner for him. So clearly (laughs) he was doing some naughty, naughty things. Well, anyway, all of a sudden about two years ago, he releases this video, drops it on YouTube where Steve-O, the Steve-O from Jackass fame finds him and gives him his hat and gives him his jacket and the eye makeup and says, we need you back. We need you to be in the nuts. You need to be Hank Von Hell. Kicks him in the nuts, and and he becomes Hank Von Hell again. And he hires a bunch of guys that look just like Turbo Negro and dress just like Turbo Negro to release a, an album that pretty much could have fit in perfectly post-Retox and Party Animal. Great album previously. The new album that just came out, Dead, just as good. Uh, he, I will say that it is – I love that it straddles the line between New Wave and Metal – a little bit of most, but it's still high octane rock and roll. He his voice is still great, and it is a really really good album for anybody who's like, I don't like boring punk rock. I don't really like metal. I want something in between, and I like some new wave. This is it. This is my like. I love this album. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, man. I mean, it's a real return to form for Hank Von Hell. It does kind of sound like the Turbo Negro. Hank Von Hell that everyone has been missing. I mean, he was the frontman of Turbo Negro from 94 to 2011. Mm-hmm. So I can totally see why maybe he'd want to take a break, but the whole, you know, Norwegian's idol thing was a weird flex, and the Scientology thing was like a weird flex. However, it does blend, you know, 
down and dirty rock and roll with new wave very very well and if you close your eyes you could just imagine it's turbo negro so those of us who are in the fan club there has obviously been a riff ever since he came back with the last album with the great song hit single bum to bum uh <laughs> i had to say that loud they uh obviously there's a big like riff on whether you should be a hang von hell fan or not and most people are like just listen to whatever the fuck you want we're all adults here we're in a fan club for a band named turbo negro i mean like come on let's be serious here so you know i i missed him last time he came around he had to cancel i think he had a visa issue and when they rescheduled it was a like on a date i couldn't make but uh i am curious to see where this goes i'm glad he is doing turbo negro songs live too and yeah it is kind of like there's two turbo negros out there i have a feeling there's no hard feelings between each other but um you know i i have a feeling that you can't for a band like turbo negro that's so shock and awe and so tongue in cheek, especially with their sexuality and and the, and the way they care, like they're so liberal and upfront. And to have someone in the band who's went from being a drug addict to like hard hard right, uh, I think it, it wouldn't fit in. So I can't see him rejoining Turbo. I don't think this is a Bruce Dickinson thing anytime soon. Just saying. Yeah, and 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 also, I mean, there, there's really. There's not there's there's not even scraps at the table right now because this is going to be the year without live rock and roll soup to nuts. So when Turbo Negro is able to come back, I mean I doubt that they're going to be really concerned with trying to come back with Frank Hank Von Hell. So good luck with that. So highly recommend this album. Check out Dead by Hank Von Hell. Also check out Turbo Negro. They're a great band. They're one of my favorites. Pambone, do you agree? Oh yeah, I and I really enjoyed it when I saw them live, and I think. I did get to see them on probably one of the last tours they did with Hank Von Hell before he uh, kicked rocks for Scientology. Webster Hall or Nokia Theater? Nokia Theater. Okay, I was there. Uh, but awesome show. Great time. We've always been a few feet from each other, buddy. <laughs> I know, I know. I sometimes forget. Did not know it yet? Yeah. No, I think we did. That wasn't that long ago. I think it was just sometimes I, I don't remember. I, I see a lot of shows. They all blend in together. Highly recommend this. If you like rock and roll, if you want to check out something a lot more. T- I mean, he is trying to be tongue-in-cheek without being, like, over-sexual, over, like, he's trying not to cross the line. But the music's really good. I recommend it, and you know, hopefully, he's uh, apologized and cleaned up his act a little bit. I think he kind of needs to in order to try to get in good graces with his old fan base. So I haven't dug into that at all. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. But so I got to ask you a question. Now that we're like sure. in this weird era of COVID, where it's like I don't know, like I don't know, rules are changing, laws are changing. I have to tell you, I'm getting a little creeped out when certain events are announcing dates or not pushed so there is an annual photography event that takes place in javits it's like a week around um it's around comic-con either the week before or week after it's around halloween and they are now pushing it like every day i'm getting emails for every day i'm like could you be any more tone deaf right now like it is a situation where Mobile World Congress America, which is around that time, just canceled. And New York Comic Con has been radio silent, like radio silent. And to be really pushing something in October when a lot of people are saying that October might be round two, it just makes me feel icky. Does it make you feel icky? Yes, it does make me feel icky. However, from the game convention scene, what I've been seeing is this. 
right now what's happening in the world is kind of it's unprecedented right mm-hmm. i think that there is a lot that has to do with contracts that they have with certain venues hotels whatever they have going on they probably have to keep pushing as if it's business as usual until they get within like about two months of the convention and then they could actually assess what's happening and ultimately cancel. There's no fucking way New York Comic Con is happening at the Javits Center in New York City. Fucking Cuomo is already threatening to shut down bars again and shut down the Hamptons because people keep hanging out outside without masks and goofing off like there was never a virus to begin with. And if I'm correct, Cuomo has not opened the beaches in New York, which is a problem because now everybody's going to Jersey. Yeah. And even with that, like it's people are pushing their luck. People are playing with fire. I mean, to a point, I kind of in a lot of ways feel like I'm getting gaslit because I don't want there to be a spike. But for all intents and purposes, things that should have caused a spike, it doesn't seem like a spike's happened yet. I don't know, though. So I'm just playing through business as usual. I'm wearing a mask. I'm social distancing. I'm washing my hands like a mad person. And we're just going to we're going to take it from there. Uh, I've noticed, though, generally with conventions, it's usually about two months out that they're able to announce that they're canceled because a lot of the hotels and businesses that are involved with them are like, well, you don't know what's going to happen in two months. And everything, in fairness, everything is very wait and see because we don't know what the fuck is going on. So I do think that it is in poor taste, but at the same time, I can see why they have to do it to ultimately be able to cancel because he'd be like, well, you know, we were planning on it, but now it's out of our hands and not just like, yeah, we hit the fucking button and just expect you to fund us our money back. It's getting harder and harder, though, because now you're looking at cities that are not locking down, but people who don't want to come out. So I think that's going to be interesting, too. Uh, I know Riot Fest just announced for next September, and I still felt kind of icky. I was like, oh, Riot Fest. Uh but, like, I get it. I mean, they had to get Coachella, I think, last week canceled full on. Because if you remember, they moved it from, what was that, like, April to October. And they're like, yeah, yeah we're not doing happening. it. I mean, Riot Fest is the September 2021. Uh, but, you know, it's just, I am so, my headspace is so different than where it was three, four months ago. Even while I was like, oh, you know, we'll be at shows again in no time. Like, I'll go see that they might be giants in September when that show comes. It's like now I can't even think about stuff like that. Like, you know, it's just very, very strange. And and I, that's all I just want to say. I just Photo Plus in particular, I think New York Comic Con's taking a better approach, which is just because right by now they should have opened up tickets already. The fact oh, is yeah. they should have done their lottery. I would not want to be in Reed, like the Reed headquarters, uh, Reed Expo, whatever the hell. Uh, Reed Pop's the name of the New York Comic. But yeah, Reed's been around forever. I, I I applied for a job there in 2003 and to get a job at Forklift Monthly. That's a real thing. I applied to Forklift Monthly and didn't get the job. I don't know why. Reed, I hate you ever since then, but whatever. <laughs> well, they don't give us photo pass. They don't give us Comic-Con passes anyway, so screw them. You think after 165 episodes, we would have been considered, and a website that's been running for like, I don't know, a decade and change, you would consider us a reasonable outlet, but you know, do you? It's still very tough for podcasts to be considered real news media. And I even see that at my own job. Like at Verizon, it's like I have to stop and think about podcasts as a real news source. And as a PR person, I'm always looking at new media as, you know, YouTubers. I've been taking a huge, uh, 
chance with YouTubers, that's paid off great. Like, uh, you know, I try to be friends with a lot of YouTubers and give them phones and help them out as much as I can. Podcasts are still one of those things where it's very hard to measure. It's very hard to share. It's very hard to get to your thing in the podcast. Even YouTube, it's easier to click around than it is to do it in podcasts. So I feel that podcasts, unless you're like a podcast that belongs to the New York Times or the Wall Street right. Journal, it's still a little bit more challenging, especially if you're general topics, to crack through. So that's just a rant, but I, I find it's tough. Like if a podcast were to reach out for an interview with a senior leader at Verizon, I have a feeling a lot of PR people would ponder it for a second because that's not an easy sell as it is to – like, you know, a major tier one uh, publication or even a YouTube channel. We could easily see the subscribers right there on a YouTube page. I, I think it's just the, the challenge of the medium. I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know? Oh, uh, buddy. It's, uh, it's going to be what it is. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's just crazy. I'm just glad that we get to do this every week and get to bring people a form of entertainment where we were going to keep on reviewing everything we could possibly review until they run out of things to show us because they can't make TV and movies. Yeah, yeah. It is, it's just weird. I mean, I could just talk about 90 Day Fiancé nope. every fucking week because... Going to cut you off there. I am going <laughs> to... I'm going to review something real quick that I actually watched because we were talking about movies before and movies going direct from the cinema uh, skipping the line from the cinema and going right to the TV screen. So Artemis Fowl just dropped on Disney+. Plus. It was supposed to come out uh, a little while ago. It was supposed to come out in 429, and they were all like, nah, we're just going to put this out uh, on our Disney Plus channel. Have you been familiarized with Artemis Fowl at all, George? No, I know the name, but I know nothing else about it. It's kind of like Avatar the Airbender, where every time I hear Avatar, I think blue people and zone out. But I do know there's another Avatar that a lot of people love, but I yeah. can't even give it the time of day because of its name. So that's where I kind of stand with that. So Artemis Fowl is a series of kids' books. It is about a boy in Ireland, and his father is a international. Maybe he's a thief. Maybe he is an adventurer. Uh, and it deals with not only the world of art. It deals with fairies and goblins and dwarves and the mystical world and surrounding Ireland and a bunch of other things. His dad gets kidnapped. He, as a 12-year-old boy, needs to rise to the occasion because, of course, he does and rescue his dad. I mean, that's the gist of the movie when you have a property like this, which is a beloved kid's book, I mean, this is what I would have imagined to be Disney's first foray into trying to get a Harry Potter-esque series of books turned into movie form with their own property, which is going to be Artemis Fowl, which is the store that they bought up. And I will tell you, it was uh, actually directed by Kenneth Branagh, who I think is a very good director, but he's got a very specific look. Did you remember the first Thor movie, George? Yeah. Didn't love it, though. I was not a Thor fan. But it has a very, like, if it was BBC TV kind of look to it. And it, it's kind of jarring when you look at it against other Marvel movies, especially if you look at it against uh, Thor Ragnarok. Like, it's a very starkly contrasted movie. So this is the kind of the same thing. You're watching it, and there's scenes of, like, Ireland and the Cliffs of Moher and just the areas 
in the UK and you're like, oh my God, Kenneth Branagh, like no one films the UK like Kenneth Branagh does. But then it hits a point where you're dealing with green screens and creatures and things that are battle scenes that are happening in the daytime. And the movie kind of falls apart visually as you're watching it before you. And not to mention, so it's an hour and a half movie. Nothing actually happens. No, no action actually happens for about 50 minutes. So I actually did not finish this movie because it was like watching paint dry. <laughs> and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, man, like this was like an opportunity for Disney to come up with their own Harry Potter-esque like, series of books that they're turning into movies. And my God, they are so lucky that they did not put this into theaters. It would have bombed. It is not a watchable movie. And I'm looking at it from not just the standpoint of like, hey, I watch a lot of movies. I'm looking at it like, hey, if I watch this like with a kid, would the kid be psyched about it? I would be bored to shit if I was a kid watching this movie. It was like paint drying the movie with fairies uh, and Josh Gad. So uh, I think that, yeah, if you're going to watch this, you know, don't hype it up to your kids because they're probably going to go play with their cars or Legos or something. To be fair, watching the never ending story these days is also like watching paint dry. 100% fair comparison. I don't disagree with you. However, it didn't take almost 50 minutes for something to happen in the never-ending story. Like, there's a lot of exposition that happens for the first 15 minutes of this movie. Like, you don't actually see anything cool for 15 minutes. It's an hour and 25 minutes. What? That's crazy. That is absolutely, like, that's not fun. That's not fun. At 50 minutes, there's a negotiation between two of the characters. Like, nothing Hmm. actually happens for 50 full minutes of this movie. Yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing. Yeah. Uh, uh, thank you for reviewing this movie so we don't have to. And that was a great last segment because if you had it's loved that home. movie, you know, it, <laughs> it is what it is. I, again, I am, I'm trying to find some good horror movies. Uh, I'm trying to find just anything that I might have missed earlier in the year. I'm, I'm scrounging for anything. If anybody has any recommendations, please, please let us know. I'm still playing a lot of Animal Crossing. I'm, uh, I took a break, so I knew Last of Us was coming very soon. I started, so... For those, I think we should say, I don't know if, I think we mentioned it last month, every month, PlayStation, I realize this, if you pay your $10 a month or whatever it is for the PlayStation Plus, which is their, like, things so you can do multiplayer and, and, and get a little more out of your PlayStation, I forgot how much, it's not a lot of money, but it's it's a, a monthly subscription fee. If you have it, you have access to two to three free games every month, and these are, like, tier one, former tier one games. This month, it's Call of Duty World War II, and it's uh, Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront Two, which is the newer one. So these are like really good games. I started playing the Call of Duty, and then I'm like, you know what? I just got to clear the palette for La- Last of Us. Just binge watch all the fucking 90 Day Fiance, Happily Ever After, my favorite of the spinoffs, and, and just hold my ground until I get The Last of Us 2, which is coming this Friday which now means I need to somehow find a way to play it at least to get a preview for the following week. It might be a week and a half before I do my preview. We'll see. I'm excited. The reviews are excellent. Not going to spoil anything, but the I'm reviews... I'm not looking which, at anything. Look, to be fair, the spoiler, the reviews aren't spoiling anything. Like, they're being good. Uh, every all the, all the leaks and the bullshit, like, that was bullshit. People are going to hate because they're going to hate because F the world... Uh, but the reviews are really good. It's going to be like what you think it is. It's going to be a very good, heartfelt story in the world 
that's been ravaged by a virus, and I'm so excited to get into that world that's not too far off from where ours is going to be. Wait till My there's God. clickers. Wait till you get the COVID and now you turn into a clicker. Oh, clicker. Jesus, George. Don't, even, oh, don't even say that. Oh, God. Those were the worst. <laughs> those are the worst. The, the creatures are the zombies are so scary in this. It's so unbelievably scary. Unlike I VFW. Don't like it. Unlike VFW. Uh, you going to watch George play it? Is that what you're going to do? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to watch George play it. Hambo, and how can the kids reach you? You can find me on Twitter at Handbreaker. I tweet about cute animals. I tweet about Dungeons and Dragons. I tweet about professional wrestling. You can follow my day-to-day adventures in podcasting and in life at John Hambone McGuire on Instagram. George, where do the people find you? Uh, you can reach me at GLK Creative on the Instagram, at GLK Creative on the Twitter. You can reach me at cultofgeorge.com. I had another viral tweet today. I mean, Jesus Christ, we launched a uh, I launched the first ever 5G laptop. Did you see my video? Did you actually watch my whole video, Hambone? I've not watched it yet, but I will. Oh, you need to because I'm in a plane in this video, and I want you to what? see me in the plane. Yes. Cool. But everybody go check that out. Uh, That is also why when I know I have a launch, I save pushing the podcast until the launch. Because if I do get a viral speed test tweet and I put the Mai Tai Happy Hour right above it, guess what gets a nice pop in subscribers? I love it. That's That's a great plan. Anyway, you can reach us at MyTieTV.com. That's where our entire archive is. You can find all the back episodes, a lot of our video episodes, all that good stuff. You can also find me at CultOfGeorge.com if I didn't say that already. And we would love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe. I Every now and then I check. So I don't I don't use Apple iTunes because Allison uses Apple iTunes for podcasts. So I use Overcast. And the thing is, Overcast doesn't show reviews. So... I, every now and then, like, I do a search and I get the Apple site. The Apple site opens up the app. That's where it screws me up. But then I see all these reviews. And I'm like, oh, my God, people really do love us. And it's amazing. And I think that we have, like, one bad review. And then you suck, whoever you are. But really appreciate it. And, I, you know, it's really, really nice. It makes me feel warm inside. I love it. That's all. That's all I've got. Rate, review, and subscribe. Love us. Stay safe. Stay, you know, you know, fight the good fight. Wear masks if you're out there protesting. We get that we need to make noise to be heard right now. It's just, uh, it's a shitty time to have to do it. But stay safe. Don't go to the beach if you don't have to go to the beach. You don't need to. Even though I did see Asbury Park. Did you see Asbury Park this week, Hambone? They had um, little circles everywhere. So you knew where to plop yourself. And you were socially distancing in those circles. So everybody was actually social distancing on the beach in Asbury Park. That is incredible. I could tell you that's not happening in Wildwood. Just say. Oh, for sure. Anyway, Hambone, take us out. Everybody remember, be nice. Aloha.